Welcome to the Gary Smith Show. For the next hour, Gary will be taking your calls and answering your emails as he discusses personal development as it relates to your business, your career, and your personal life. Gary is a successful businessman and entrepreneur and is the founder and president of Optimum Performance Technologies, LLC. Gary is a business consultant, business and personal coach, and a professional speaker and writer who has dedicated his life to helping businesses and individuals develop and implement plans to take their companies and their lives to new levels of performance and success. Gary is the author of two outstanding books, The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, and Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed. If you have a question or comment for Gary, please call in at 860-432-9735 or email him at questions at optex.com. You can also learn more about Gary by visiting his website, optex.com. And now here's Gary Smith. Good morning. Happy Saturday morning. Welcome to the Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK, Bloomfield, Hartford. Great to have you along for the ride on this beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Weather's absolutely gorgeous here. I was hoping to have a chance to get outside and play today, but when I get home, time to mow the lawn. Hopefully not too many more times that we have to uh, to do this this year, although I'm not looking forward to what they say may be a harsh winter. So let's all say a prayer that uh, we can keep the temperatures moderate for uh, for at least a couple more months. Anyway, great to have you along today. We've got a wonderful program for you today. Today, our special guest is Emily Shoup, uh, who is the founder of Shoup Training and Consulting. And uh, Emily and I uh, recorded this conversation a couple of weeks ago, but we had a really, really good time uh, talking with each other. And uh, I've already asked her if she'll be back on the show again uh, sometime in the next uh, two or three months so that we can continue our conversation. The topic we're talking about today is communication conflict and culture in business. Uh, and, and that is something I mean, we could, uh, Emily and I were talking, we could take each one of those words and probably talk for several hours uh, about all of the implications that they have, not only for people who are employers, but uh, the people who work for them, their, their employees. Let me tell you a little bit about Emily. Uh, Emily is a speaker and a coach. As I already said, she's the founder of Shoop Training and Consulting, and she's created a number of popular programs, including Central Illinois' premier team-building event that's called Rally the Team. And she also has some other programs that she's created, such as Lead Any Team, and the Shoop Shift. And when I first heard that, I thought, gee, that must be a dance, but it's not. It's the Shoop Shift, Six Gears to Revolutionize Your Culture, Team, and Leadership. Uh, Shoop Training and Consulting was created because one of Emily's pet peeves is unhappy people in the workplace. It seems that people are either unhappy with the work they're doing, they're unhappy with their bosses, or they're unhappy with their employers. And it's her belief that everyone has an innate desire to do well, And somehow people lose track of that along the way. And it is this belief that drives her to reach out and impact others with her people-focused leadership. She is the go-to leadership girl when you want to learn more about how to maximize the efforts of your team and to do it the right way so you go from just being another manager to being an influential leader. Her clients are typically leaders who know that they have to get more done with less 
and they know that they have to focus on their company culture and their employees in order to be successful. And Emily's coaching will definitely help you take your leadership full throttle. I mean, I found that, I just sensed that in my conversation with, uh, with Emily, the energy level that she brings to the conversation, as well as the baseline of knowledge that she has and her insights into, into human behavior. So this is going to be a really, really great program today. So let's go ahead and jump right in with segment one of our interview with Emily Shoup. So our guest this morning is Emily Shoup. And we're just glad to uh, to have her with us. We're going to be talking about uh, the subject of communication, conflict, and culture. And Emily and I were talking a little bit before we uh, before we started this recording, and we both agree that we could take any one of those three words and probably spend the next week talking about it. So we're going to try and condense things down and give you guys some good, solid information today. But before we uh, jump into things, uh, Emily, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. It's just great to uh, to have you. Thanks so much for taking your time to be with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and I can't wait to dive in. Cool. Well, then, uh, then let's dive in. Uh, you, know, you do a lot of work with, uh, with clients. And so the, I guess the first question I want to kind of lead off with is when you're working with your clients, where do you start when it, think, when it comes to things like communication and conflict and culture? Where does the whole thing begin? Because it's just such, seems like it's just such a, you know, a broad arena that you're walking into. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. It, it, there seems to be a common thread with every client that I start working with, and it really has to start with getting them really clear first. Um, a lot of times the, the leaders that I'm working with are, are frustrated that their team isn't headed the way they want, and then it's leading to communication issues and conflict issues. And so then I start digging into saying things like, well, where are you headed, and what's the vision, and and what's going on, and, and what does success look like in your organization? And I get a lot of crickets after that or a lot of blank stares like well we just have to get work done and so then we kind of have to back it up and say well how do you expect anybody to work successfully if they don't even know where we're headed or what's going on or or where what they do fits into the organization and so normally we have to start there and get people really clear on what it is that that needs to be accomplished and what does success look like well, wow, you know, that's that's really interesting. And I see that a lot in the work that I do, too, because uh, there, there are an awful lot of people out there um, where either the company really doesn't have a good, solid handle on where they are or where they're going, but uh, perhaps senior management may have a pretty good handle on it. But then when you drill down into the organization, you find out that the employees have no idea where the company's going or any clue at all about how what they do fits in with where the organization is headed. Do, do you find a lot of that in the work that you do? Yeah, I'm glad you said, you know, that the senior management piece of it sparked an idea for me. And it, there's been plenty of times where the leadership, not through ill intentions and not really realizing it, but they spend a lot of time planning um, and, you know, crafting perfect statements when it comes to, let's say, marketing messages or or, um, or mission statements are, are usually well-crafted. Uh, well, sometimes, sometimes they don't exist at all, but that's another story. But then not realizing how the employees, the people who are doing the work, the people who are engaging with the clients, the people who have to make the widgets, they all need to know and understand and and know how to live all of that. It's not just something that 
senior management creates, it's something that has to be shared with everybody. And that's where the disconnect comes from. Uh, yeah, that's, that is, is really true. I see an awful lot of that. Um, and the other thing that I find, and it's interesting, you and I were talking before I just finished writing a new book and, uh, and I had the, uh, the woman who actually kind of sparked the idea for the book, wrote the foreword for it. It's a book on customer service. But one of the things that she was saying is, is that from a customer service perspective, and I think this applies a lot to what you do too, is that so much of the time we think that we're rendering good service. We think we're doing the right things, but how often do we kind of pull ourselves back to the 30 foot or 30,000 foot level and look at things and say, have I really adequately challenged the assumptions I'm making? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a lot of times where in, especially in the leadership roles, where, where we think we're doing everything textbook perfect. That was the big mistake that I made um, when I first became a manager, I tried to do everything by the book or what I thought was the book and didn't realize that just because you're, you're kind of marking off the things you should do, like performance reviews and having agendas for meetings and, and follow-up um, notes after, after discussion, like those are very basic and tactical things. But when it comes to helping people get stuff done and being successful in, in their jobs and therefore creating a su- successful team and a successful organization, it really comes down to making sure the people have what they need. And, and it's not about the tactics. It's about the, the, the people, and, and that's where those, all those communication and conflict problems come from then. Yeah, and you know, as you're talking, Emily, one the one word that kind of pops into my mind that I think is key in this whole process is the word trust. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think especially in today's world, now more than ever, uh, you know, there needs to be trust. I mean, number one, if you're going in to help an organization, there needs to be trust from them to you. Uh, but then within that organization, there needs to be trust between management and the workers and between the workers and themselves. So what are some simple ways that you, know, you think we can go about building trust and engagement in business teams so that people are really not only oriented, but fully engaged toward uh, moving towards goals and things like that. So it's funny. um, It made me think of a lot of times my clients want me to come in and make their team trustworthy. And so I'm like, well, if I could do that, I would have, uh, you know, if I had a magic wand where I could just come in and magically now your team is, trustworthy and you can go back to doing what you were doing, um, you know, I'd be an extremely rich woman and I, you know, would be on a beach drinking a cocktail at this point. Um, but what it comes down to is you yourself have to work on being trustworthy. That's how you build trust within your team. And when I ask people, nobody thinks they're not being trustworthy. I have yet to, to meet with a client or, or speak in front of a group and have anybody raise their hand and say, yeah, you can't trust me. You can't trust me with your, your career or your, your tasks or anything like that. But it's all the little things that we end up doing that chip away at the trust that people have for us. So if you look at yourself as, as the leader of a team or, of, or just a person working with other people, uh, what are you doing to be trustworthy? And one of the easiest things to do is to follow through with what you said you would do. Now, most people think that they make pretty clear commitments, but there are so many times within our days when we get bombarded with information that we just don't follow up enough on. So 
So you get an email from somebody and it takes you a couple of weeks to respond. Or somebody throws an idea at you while you're walking down the hallway and you say, yeah, that's a great idea, but you never circle it back around. Or you're in a meeting and you're multitasking, not quite focused on what's going on, agree to something in that meeting and then you don't follow through on it because you didn't even know what it was you agreed to. All of those little things are completely, really innocent mistakes to be making in your career, but especially in a leadership position, it, it, your, your team is watching you and they're going to mimic your behavior. So then when they are kind of questioning whether or not they can trust you because you're not really following through, then they stop following through on things. And then you're frustrated as the leader because you can't trust them to get those things done. So it always starts with, or I always like to start with the leaders looking at their own behaviors and how they're working to build how much everyone trusts them first. And I think that's a an absolute right starting point, Emily, that we that we need to do that. And that dovetails really nicely with what I do. And that is looking at things like how responsive are you to your employees? When you say you're going to do something, do you really do it? Or like you say, do you get the email and it's like, oh yeah, I intended to get back to that, you know, but it's two or three weeks down the road. And at that point, it's either too late or the person has already gotten in their mind that you really don't care. And that's one of the mm. things, that's one of the things that I do is I teach people to have a system uh, that captures everything so that nothing falls through the cracks. And so you do have the ability to go back and be reminded about responding to people and following through so that people see you being organized and diligent and effective and efficient in your responses. Uh, because what you do, like you said, is the leader of the organization. You're the one who sets the example. And if you're doing those things, then you're encouraging and maybe even having the opportunity to teach your employees to do the same thing. Yeah, and whether we like it or not, I have plenty of clients who, who say, you know, I just want to lead by example. I'm a hard worker. I, I, I do the right thing. I, I just want everybody to look at what I do and do the same thing. And then they're kind of disappointed when I point out that your team is doing what you're doing. You know, they, they are a reflection of how you're behaving. You know, when you're running scattered and forgetting things, um, you know, again, not from a bad place, but because you're not, don't have that structure. I love that you, you introduce a structure to that. Um, then, then, then your, and your team starts to do the same thing back to you. It's like having a mirror all the time. And so, like, I guess you are leading by example. You're just not choosing how you're going to lead by example and choosing what behaviors you want people to have. And it's not one of those, like when I was a kid, it was do as I say, not as I do. Well, it still that didn't work when we were kids, and it doesn't work when we're in the workplace either. People do it as you do, especially when you're in the leadership role, because to me, the way it, each employee looks at a person who is in a leadership role is the, the picture of success in that organization. If they are chosen to be a leader, then that must be what it takes to be successful in this organization. So you are showing them the way through that process. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I always suggest to leaders in organizations is to not try to figure it out all by yourself. I mean, yes, you can look at it from the standpoint of saying, okay, I really want to lead by example. And that's what that means to me. But if that doesn't resonate with your people, 
um, then that creates a problem. So I encourage them to sit down with their employees, sit down with your direct reports and say, guys, I really want some honest feedback here. What is it that you need from me that you're not getting? Mm. And and then to be able to be willing to listen to that input, some of it, which sometimes may be pretty harsh, but take it to heart and realize that, okay, this is something that I need to seriously consider if I'm going to do this and if I'm going to do it right. Yeah, and I, I was working with a group just the other day, and I can't tell you how freeing it was for a few of the managers within our group for for me to sit there and say, it's not your job to know and do everything perfectly. You know, it's a process with the people that you work with. And then I had their leader in the room, and she was uh, affirming that and confirming and saying, yes, I want it's a process for you guys. You don't have to know and do everything. Involve your teams. Figure that out. And I, I swear it was like this weight was lifted from the room where where some of the managers are struggling so hard because they're trying to figure it out all by themselves how to how to be perfect. Yeah, and and that's yeah, you're right. You can't do that. You have to rely upon your people. And one of the things that I found back in the years when I was in corporate America, one of the things that I found that was fr- both freeing and empowering was when I sat down with my people, got input from them to figure out what they needed from me, and then went took it one step further and said, okay, here's what I'm going to do, and I want you to hold me accountable for doing it. Because I found that when I did that, not only would people be willing to hold me accountable, but they loved me because of it. Mm-hmm. And they were invested in the game. Right. Yep. And that and that's really powerful. That's really getting to the point where people are are engaged, they're invested in what's going on in the business. So we're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back with more of our discussion with Emily Shoup. The Bible devotional tool, Our Daily Bread, is a wonderful complement to your personal Bible study. Request Our Daily Bread when you call 800-535-5712. There's no cost or obligation. Call 800-535-5712. Have you ever dreamed of achieving true greatness in your life? What does achieving greatness mean to you? No matter how you define it, greatness is always achieved intentionally, never accidentally. Hello, I'm business consultant, life coach, professional speaker, and author Gary Smith. One of the key attributes of achieving true personal greatness is the constant pursuit of knowledge. I wrote the book, Achieving Unusual Greatness, Timeless Lessons from the Trail Already Blazed, to help give you the personal and business development tools you need to help put your life and your business on the road to success. It's chock full of ideas that you can put to work to produce immediate results in all areas of your life. Don't settle for being average. Go to Optex.com and get your copy of Achieving Unusual Greatness today. Continued warm and dry through the afternoon across the Connecticut Valley near 80. Clear, pleasantly mild, but dry, mid-50s tonight. Sunny, quite warm, low 80s tomorrow. Nearly as warm Monday, mostly sunny, upper 70s. Randy Berkson with the WSDK Weather Update. Welcome back to the Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK. If you have any questions or anything, give us a call, 860-432-9735. Text to 860-856-7193 or send us an email to questions at optex.com. 
Our special guest today is Emily Shoup, and we've been talking about uh, the whole concept of communication uh, and culture in the business, uh, how to go about developing a culture of engagement and how important that is, and, and the, the fact that the responsibility for doing this is on us as leaders in the business, and it's also uh, something that uh, mid-level managers or people who want to be leaders in business need to grab onto. You know, it starts with us. It starts with being willing to communicate and open up to our people and engage them in the things that are going on. And, uh, and when you start doing that, some really, really amazing things start to happen as far as creating the kind of culture, not only that brings people to work uh, and, and allows them to enjoy the work that they're doing, but creating a culture that's really going to help drive your business forward and ultimately serve your customers, which is what it's all about. So without any further ado, let's jump back in and do segment two of our interview with Emily Shoup. Okay, we're back talking with Emily, and we're talking about communication, conflict, and culture. We've been talking about the whole concept of trust and getting employees engaged and really being honest with them, sitting down, getting your employees involved in things that are going on, asking them for their feedback, asking them for, for their help. And I think those are powerful things that all of us can do. Emily, the, the next thing I want to jump into here is uh, when you're working with clients, what's the biggest frustration that they should share with you and, and what can we do to fix things and, and save our businesses and really improve our productivity, maybe sometimes by thousands of hours a year? So, so this is one that I, I would like to hear your response on as well, but the number one complaint amongst all of my clients, if you ask all of my clients, no matter how high-functioning their teams are, no matter how successful their sales are, marketing, no matter how profitable the business is, or no, no matter how much of the business is struggling, the number one complaint is a lack of communication across all of them. So do you run into that as well with a complaint about lack of communication? I, I do, um, and I don't know if this resonates with you or not. The thing that I have found is that it seems like at the lower levels of the business, below the executive level, say mid-level manager and down, there seems to be uh, a lot of frustration where mid-level managers don't communicate well with their uh, with their employees, and at the same time, mid-level managers don't feel that they get the right kind of communication or enough communication or enough information from senior managers. Is that kind of where you're coming from? Do you see that? Yep, exactly, exactly. So there's this complaint that there's you know, we're in this information age and somehow people don't feel like they're getting the information they need to be successful in their jobs. And that's what gets people frustrated and then causes uh, the conflicts later on. But if that lack of communication, it all comes from people just not knowing what to share and how much to share it. And so one of the easiest things that I wanted to make sure that I shared with you that I like to have my, my clients sit down and do is, is just to sit down and say to each person on your team, again, because each person is different and their roles are usually a little bit different, but their personalities are different. And so to say, what do you need to know, Bob, in order to do your job well? And how would you like that information? And a lot of the times the people, you know, when you sit down across imaginary Bob and, and ask him that, he's never really thought about it. Like, I know I don't get enough. So let me really think about the information I do need. And there's been times where um, 
the, the manager that I'm working with will say, oh, I send them tons of information. And it t- come to find out the team didn't even need, they needed like a third of that information. But what they really needed was this other piece of information over there. And it saved the manager a ton of time. Like, well, I didn't realize that's all they needed. I didn't realize they were blocking because I wasn't giving them that information. And so it's just diving in and you can do it in a group setting and you can do it individually. And then you as the leader as well, you need to know what information you need to be successful. And that's going to come from each person on your team. You know, Bob has to give you information for you to be successful, um, to do your job successfully. And then you also need certain things from your leadership team as well, um, either your peers or, or anybody who might be in a higher position above you. What, what do you really need in order to do your job? And then how do you need that information? Some people can handle information in like a cliff notes version. Like I want three bullet points, maybe a picture that, you know, like the little Ikea picture of how to assemble it, and I'm good to go. Whereas other people need, you know, if you could forward me the report, don't, don't try to dissect the report for me. I want to actually read the report and then we can kind of follow up in a conversation. Um, or some people just need to know that everything's okay. You know, they, they don't really need to know a lot of details. So really getting to know your team and how they function will really help. It sounds like a lot of work up front, but it really helps to streamline and make everybody communicate much more effectively. And, um, and it really will start to increase productivity. I couldn't agree more with that, uh, Emily, and and I have used the sa- a similar thing. Uh, I haven't gone to what information do you need, but what I have done to try to prove that point to senior leaders uh, you know, and executives in businesses is to say, okay, let's say you have a company of 100 employees. I want you to pick 30 of your employees at random from all levels and all locations in your business. And I want you to meet with each one of those people. And it doesn't have to be bring them into the office or anything like that. You can go out casually onto your shop floor and talk with people. But here's the question I want you to ask them. Tell me what it is that you do and how what you do affects you, your coworkers, the business, and our customers. And, Ooh, and, I like that. And, and the interesting thing is, as I said, most of the time you're going to get a deer in the headlights look and the few response mm-hmm. and there are few responses that you do get are going to be pretty lame. And then I proceed to tell them if that's what happens, if your employees don't know how what they do affects their coworkers, affects the profitability and the growth of the business and how it impacts your customers, that's your fault. Absolutely. And, and then if they follow through with the question that you're talking about, okay, well, you don't know the answer to that question. What kind of information would you need to be able to answer that question intelligently? Mm-hmm. And, and that all ties back to what we started with in the beginning with if you're not clear and then you're not, if you're clear and you're not sharing that with anybody that you're trying to lead, it, it, yeah, how do you expect them to be successful? Exactly. You know, it's it's like, you know, how how am I supposed to hit a target when I don't even know there's a target? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and go ahead. And it's interesting too, I've run into some people who will say, Well, not everybody cares. Not everybody needs to know that information. And um I came from a technology background was um in a highly technical place. I will guarantee everybody there that you would normally, you know, if you were trying to do the stereotypes, well, they don't care about the big vision. They just want to do the technical work. They love the technical work, but they still needed to know 
how it fit into the big picture. As humans, we need to understand where we fit into the big picture, where our value lies in in what it is that we're helping create. Absolutely, absolutely. And the other thing that I see, uh, and I don't, again, I'm, I'm looking for some feedback from you on what you've experienced, but as you move forward in, in an organization and you're creating that, that culture of involvement, that culture of engagement with your people, those people who really don't care will just kind of automatically weed themselves out because they'll realize that they don't fit with the culture that's been created that's really going to move the business forward. That's exactly, exactly what I said, said to people. I preached it and people look at me like I'm crazy and then it happens and they look at me like, how did you know? I, it, that's just how it works. That person did not fit. They were no longer comfortable with the, you know, they were, you know, they might be somebody who was toxic or they might be somebody who was just kind of skating by and you're beating your head up against the wall to get them to engage and, what do we do about this one person? Well, we just raise the bar and we create a great place for everybody. And if they don't fit, they naturally just find a place where they do fit and they find another job or they, they excuse themselves. It's an amazing phenomenon. Yeah, and, and I think that part of the responsibility of if, of the employees as well as the, the, the managers or the leaders of the of the business, they need to learn to be okay with that. And to realize that you know that that it's perfectly all right if somebody doesn't fit with the culture, then there is a better place for them to be. There is someone where where they can go where they will fit and they will be happy. And and we need to be okay with that. Yeah, and and I've started even within the companies that I work with. I don't know if you've taken it this far, but we work it into it's part of your performance review. Like you you can't and, and your expectations of your job. You can't be a really nasty, negative person who brings everybody down and rolls their eyes and stomps their feet and um, and all that in, in this particular environment. If you continue with that type of behavior, it brings us down too much. So, you know, that's just not going to be acceptable. And I we've started to work that into performance reviews and conversations. So it's not just ignored. It's talked about. And really bringing attention to the fact that that's not acceptable, again, will help that person decide whether or not they want to adjust or if they want to find something else. But if you don't ever explain that that's not acceptable behavior for our culture, there are places where it fits, and that's fine. You can you can definitely go work there, but it's not going to work here. And um, and it's interesting because it's usually somebody who's, who can make a whole lot of widgets, but they make everybody else miserable around them. Absolutely. And one of the things that I have practiced through the years when I was in corporate America was I, I realized that you, you know, most companies have you know, some sort of an annual performance review process. But there are a couple of things that I always did was one was uh, I always made sure that if there was an issue that came up, I addressed it and I documented it. Not that I was trying to get anybody in trouble, but as you're saying, if I got somebody who's just not a fit for the culture uh, because their attitude isn't right or whatever the case may be, I sit down with them and I identify that problem 
not from the standpoint of being critical, but saying, here's an observation that I have. I want to be able to work with you. Let's put together some sort of a plan so that we can work through this together. And I will do that over the course of the year. And 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 then when it comes time uh, for performance reviews, a lot of times I would go to my employees and say, okay, I'm going to write your performance review, but I want you to write your performance review as well, because I want your thoughts on how well you've done and what challenges that you face, not only from the standpoint of things that you've done right and things that you've done wrong, but I want feedback on what I've done right and what I've done wrong, because I want this to be, I want the performance review process not to be one of judgment. I want it to be one of learning so that we know, mm -hmm. you know so that we know when we're moving, that we're moving forward. We know not only what we need to do, but we know what's driving that, why we need to do this. Um, and, and I think if you begin to take that kind of an approach, people look at the performance review process completely different because it's almost like they feel like they're getting a performance review every day. Yeah, and and I always like to too just put a little extra spin on it where I know that the I know the resistance from managers and leaders to give performance reviews, but wouldn't you like to know if some little thing that you were doing that I don't know you might not even realize you roll your eyes every time Bob speaks in a meeting, you know? Wouldn't you like to know that that was something that people were kind of you know unhappy about or? Or not, or maybe you show up late to meetings all the time, and so people are starting to, instead of never bringing it up or bringing it up once a year, would you like to know that along the way that that could be a problem? And so I always like to get the managers to put on the head of, wouldn't you like to know this information along the way, and wouldn't you like somebody to work with you, like you said, to to help you? I mean, it just just making that switch. It's not a it's not a bad thing. It's not it's not just pure discipline. It's how would you like to be treated if, if this was the, the case? Absolutely. And I think you can take that one step further because as you're creating, uh, the more and more you create a culture of engagement, when somebody like that, when Bob is sitting in the meeting and you know Gary speaks up and Bob rolls his eyes about, oh, here we go again, uh, mm -hmm. and, and somebody, you know, not in the meeting, but after the meeting kind of calls him on and said, hey, do you realize what you did? when you know when gary was doing that chances are bob may not even realize it you know, exactly. the, the, you know and and the thing of it is is that then that can create an environment where maybe bob goes to gary and says gary you know what somebody just mentioned this to me i'm really sorry i didn't know i was doing that you know and i and mm -hmm. i apologize i hope i didn't upset you or anything like that and so now you've got strength in the building of the relationships and and the the building of the trust in the organization mm-hmm and, you know, and you could take it even deeper where maybe Bob was rolling his eyes at, about something else, you know, and if you call him out on it, he said, oh, well, you know, I read a text message from, you know, my teenager and I was upset about what they said or, or, or I was thinking about something else or it was the topic, it's not the person, you know, there's all these other things that you could dig into if you're willing to, to bring it to light to the person that, that is exhibiting the behavior. Absolutely, that's that's a completely different perspective on it, but but very you know very valid for what may what it might in fact be happening there. But at least it brings to light, which is great. So we're still continuing to visit with Emily Shoup here. We're going to take a break for just a couple of minutes, and we will be right back with the final segment of our interview. Next time on Sports Spectrum, we'll offer some insight on the faithfulness of God. You won't want to miss our visit with Colorado Rockies broadcaster Jerry Schemmel. 
Jerry was on board United Flight 232 that crashed in Sioux City, Iowa in July of 1989. Jerry will remind us of God's faithfulness in the midst of tragedy on the next Sports Spectrum. Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock right here on Life Changing Radio. My organization asked me to find a speaker for one of our major events. I didn't know where to turn until a friend recommended that I contact Gary Smith. Gary was easy to work with and affordable. He designed and delivered an amazing program that met all of our needs. This is Gary Smith. If you're looking for a speaker who will entertain, educate, and inform your audience, call me at 203-599-1467 to discuss your specific requirements. I speak on a wide range of business, personal development, and spiritual topics, and I'll create a program that is guaranteed to please. Again, I'm Gary Smith, and I look forward to your call, 203-599-1467. An unusually warm but dry air mass remains parked over the Connecticut Valley through the weekend and into Monday. Sunshine continues through the afternoon near 80. Clear, pleasant, mid-50s tonight. Sunny, quite warm, low 80s tomorrow. Mostly sunny, upper 70s Monday. Randy Berkson with a WSDK weather update. Welcome back to the Gary Smith Show here on 1550 AM WSDK, Bloomfield, Hartford. Great to have you along for the ride on this Saturday morning. I hope you're enjoying our time with uh, with Emily Shoup. Uh, I certainly did, and as I'm sitting here listening to the uh, to the playback of the of the recorded interview that we did, uh, I'm making notes too and continuing to learn from the from the exchange of information that Emily and I had. If you have any questions or anything, give us a call 860-432-9735. Text messages to 860-856-7193 or shoot me an email, questions at optex.com. We'd love to talk to you and take any questions or observations that you may have. So Emily and I have been talking about communication and, and culture in the business and the fact that it really is the leader's responsibility to initiate that process. And we've been talking about looking at communication with your employees and being open in your communication, making sure that each person in your organization, whether it's a, a manufacturing company where you're providing products to customers or whether you're uh, providing a service uh, to people, it becomes vitally important that your employees become engaged in the things that are going on and that they know how the puzzle pieces of the things that they do fit into your business. Uh, because once they do that, then they, they have a really a much better and much more accurate picture of what their relationship with you needs to be, the relationship that they need to have with their coworkers, and the communication that needs to happen there, and the handoffs that need to that happen that need to happen, and especially in things like a production environment, whether it's whether you're pushing paper or whether you're actually making and maybe you're doing Operation A on a product and you're passing it off to John as doing Operation B, understanding how what you do uh, affects that next operation. And it could be very, very simple things like when you take a part out of a fixture that you're working on, how do you put it into the container that's going over to John and do you present it to him in a way because you understand how he has to pick it up and you're saving him steps and him being able to get it into his machine. And so the whole process becomes very more productive. Uh, but, but on top of that, it's also understanding how what you do impacts your customers. Uh, and that's one of the things I talk about in my new book, The Customer Conundrum. We're looking at the, the whole uh, 
ability to be able to examine nine critical facets of your business to say, what are the things that you need to be doing? How do your employees need to be communicating? How do you need to be doing things in such a way that that you can present yourself to them uh, in a way that will really delight your customers. That becomes so, so very important. Uh, and so I hope you're taking good notes on our conversation with, uh, you know, with Emily and, uh, and that you're really enjoying the process. So we're going to have Emily back and we're going to talk some more, but we're going to uh, get into another segment here with Emily where we're going to be talking about conflicts and how we go about dealing with conflicts uh, in the framework uh, of the workplace because that's one of the most critical things that uh, that we that we run into. So let's get back to our next segment with Emily Shoup. Okay, we're back with Emily Shoup. Uh, Emily, I I'm really enjoying this conversation. Like I said, we could go on for hours. So I think what we're going to have to do is we'll we'll talk about a couple more things here. Uh, but I I hope that at some point, maybe in the next uh, three to six months, I can chip into your schedule again and and get you to come back on the show and talk about some other things with me because your, your approach is refreshing and and it's it's what we need in business today. So I'm I'm just excited that we've had the opportunity opportunity to do this. Well, I appreciate it. And it's, yeah, it's one of those I could go on and on. So I, I am happy to talk more whenever you're ready. <laughs> okay, great. Well, listen, I know our time is short and I know we could take this next, uh, this next question that I have uh, into a much, much longer discussion. But what do we do in when, it, and, and it's going to happen, you know, we know it's going to inevitably happen at some point, but what do we do when conflict arises within our team? I mean, we've been building this, this team and the synergy is coming together and, you know, people are really starting to engage and all of a sudden you get some sort of a conflict that's going on. How do you handle that in a way that nurtures the team and doesn't destroy or drag back the efforts that you've made? So I would like to share my perspective on on part of why you're having the conflict. First of all, congratulations that there's a, a conflict. And I congratulate you because from what I've seen for the most part, yes, there are a few bad apples here and there. And, and maybe the conflict is from something frivolous. But for the most part, the conflicts, the, the big ones that I get involved with where people just really aren't quite sure what to do, it's because one was two or more people were extremely passionate about their jobs and they had in their minds the best way to be successful on whatever project it is that you're talking about and they they conflicted on how that should get done. And so without those people being passionate about what they're doing, you wouldn't have had the conflict. So if they were completely checked out, they wouldn't be they they wouldn't be engaging in the conflict, right? They wouldn't be upset about however it was going down. They would just sit back and let it happen. But with them being extremely passionate, that conflict has then arose. Okay, so in that situation, then, does it become a matter of, of working with them and helping them to channel that passion in, in a more positive direction? Yeah, so then the first thing that I like to do, and this is the easiest, most actionable step that I can can give your listeners today, is to sit down with each of the people who are having the conflict or if someone's having a conflict with you and just ask them, tell them that you recognize that there's a conflict and, and you know whatever your cues are for that there's something going on and ask them what's going on and sit back and listen. 
I can't tell you the number of conflicts that I've been able to go in and resolve for people because the person on the other end just needed to be heard. They talked it, said it all out loud, and then they were able to come to a solution. But before that, nobody had ever even asked. So just asking and then listening to the answer and letting that person be heard will start to resolve a lot of the conflicts that are flaring up. I completely agree with that approach. I've, I've used that before. And, and the biggest challenge in those circumstances is when you ask somebody to share with you like that is closing your mouth and being willing to sit there for a while. And sometimes it may be two or three minutes before somebody finally starts to open up. But in numbers of situations, I have done that. And then when I get to the end, I look at them and smile and say, feel better now? And the person sometimes will say, man, it feels like a thousand pound weight was just lifted off my chest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can't like, tell you how many, oops, sorry. No, that's fine. Go ahead, please. I, I can't tell you how many times it ends with, well, now that sounded stupid. <laughs> I didn't realize how, it seemed so important in my head and now it just sounds petty out loud. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, I mean, the, the whole thing gets back to communication. If we can just learn to uh, calmly, rationally talk with each other and honestly share our ideas, uh, there's so many things, there's so many problems that just kind of resolve themselves. Yeah, and, and in order, and I know that some people are like, okay, great guys, but how do you stay calm and rational in these situations? I am, you know, frustrated. And just know that the other person is trying to do a good job too. Everybody's trying to be successful, and I find that a lot of the number one reason I see for the conflicts that I run into is that it's somebody's afraid. There's a fear that they that somebody's going to think they're not doing a good job. Right. And so if you can if you can approach the the situation from okay, so what are what is Gary worried about here in this situation? What's being threatened for him? And oh, okay, you know, if he's worried about me thinking he does a bad job or the boss thinking he does a bad job, how can I approach this calmly and, you know, oh, let's logically hash it out, figure out the best way to move forward and, and go on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, one more question uh, as we kind of wind down here a little bit, and, and that is that uh, it's a little bit different. But many business owners say that, you know, gee, all I really want is just to have my employees treat the business as if it's their own. What's the secret? <laughs> well, and I had uh, a couple people share with me, and I really like that they say you don't really want people to treat it exactly as their own because you want, uh, because if it's your business, it's your baby, and you can be kind of blind. So you do want objective people in your life, in, in, in your business, and can look at things objectively. So that remember that piece a little bit. But then it has to do with everything we talked about before and then, then working on creating that culture where people can care about your business and can treat it like it's, it's their own. And when it comes to creating the culture that you want for your organization, you have to be intentional. You have to paint the picture of this is what it's like. We are highly engaged or or we sit around, uh, you know, and, and hash out problems in a circle every time we have one. Whatever it might be, you know, sometimes it's we bring our dogs to work. Whatever the culture is, 
paint that picture and then work on it every day to create that culture. And I promise you, people will start to treat their, your business as their own because that great culture is what gets people to have that vested, invested um, interest in your company. Words of great wisdom. Words of great wisdom. Well, with that, we're at the end of our time, Emily. So I'd just like you, if you would, to take a couple of minutes and kind of tell people about who you are, what you do, and how they can connect with you. Okay. Thank you again so much. And um, my name is Emily Shoup, and I uh, work with businesses who are really looking to take their leadership to the next level. A lot of times the companies that I work with are, have gone through a, a recent growth stage and you kind of look around and say, all right, we have all these people. How can we start to be more effective with the people that we have in order to get that next level of growth or, or in order to maintain the level of growth that we just endured? Um, that seems to be the, the sweet spot where a lot of my clients are at. You know, what do we, what do, we do to work internally so that we can be more effective externally? And um, the easiest way to reach me, you can go to my website, which is shoot pc.com or you can reach me at eshoop at shooppc.com. Shoot me an email and I will definitely respond as quickly as possible and always glad to hop on the phone and talk to people about what's going on with them and, and see if there's anything I can do to help. Super. Well, Emily Shoup, thank you so much again for being on the show. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation uh, in the future, but thanks again for uh, taking time from your busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, that was a great interview with Emily Shoup, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if Emily's on listening today, but if you are, Emily, thanks so much for being part of the show today. Uh, it was really, really good. Uh, we're going to take another real quick break here, and when we come back, I want to talk about a call that we got uh, during uh, during our time with Emily. Uh, Dana called in with some, well, from Bristol with some uh, interesting information, and I want to touch on that. So we're going to take a quick commercial break here, and we'll be right back with The Gary Smith Show. Next time on Sports Spectrum, we'll offer some insight on the faithfulness of God. You won't want to miss our visit with Colorado Rockies broadcaster Jerry Schemmel. Jerry was on board United Flight 232 that crashed in Sioux City, Iowa in July of 1989. Jerry will remind us of God's faithfulness in the midst of tragedy on the next Sports Spectrum. Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock right here on Life Changing Radio. Are you happy with where you are in life? Do you have a dream of becoming and achieving so much more? Hi, my name is Gary Smith. I'm a business consultant, life coach, professional speaker, and author of a book called The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life. If you're serious about taking your life to the next level, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially, then you need to read this book. Wrapped around the story of David and Goliath, The Shepherd and the Princess presents a powerful set of logical strategies designed to help you create the life you deserve. As you turn the pages, you'll receive step-by-step -step instructions that will help you define and clarify your purpose in life. You'll then be driven to create and implement plans for achieving your most precious dreams. Visit Optex.com and get your copy of The Shepherd and the Princess, Seven Keys to Conquering the Goliaths in Your Life, today. Okay, welcome back to The Gary Smith Show as uh, we uh, 
finished our interview with Emily Shoup, uh, but during the uh, during the last segment that we were playing, Dana called in from Bristol uh, with a question and an observation uh, about a situation he is aware of uh, where somebody's working for a business. Um, uh, this particular individual is in a position of leadership uh, within the company, is like second in command, and yet uh, really runs into a lot of issues because the you know the fellow who's leading the business is really not leading in the right way. That there's a lot of conflicts that are going on. Uh, you know, there are a lot of issues with you know with things like uh, we've been talking about with Emily. You know, with lack of communication, with not having the right kind of culture in the business and not encouraging it, and the and the basic question that Dana was asking is, how do we approach this? Uh, what is it that, uh, you know, that she can do, uh, you know, the woman who's who's in this situation, what is it that she can do to be able to get leadership to, you know, to sit up and pay attention and realize that there needs to be some changes in culture and the way that they communicate and things like that. And Dana, you know, I was thinking about that uh, while we were on, uh, while we were on the break, and it's a tough question to answer. It really is because uh, a lot of it has to do with being able to make people see that that change is needed and that change is beneficial. There's an old saying that uh, that tells us that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Uh, and so it's it's not a matter of being you know beating on somebody or things like that. I, I think in these sorts of situations that the best thing that someone can do is to approach it factually. You want to we want to look at the business situation and the impact on the business, not be criticizing the individual for what he or she you know is is doing or is not doing that the business really needs. And so that's what I would try to do is as much as you possibly can quantify the things that are going on and quantify the negative impact that it's having on things like employee engagement, uh, employee happiness, and as a result of that, areas of the business where you may be losing productivity. Also talk about where it is in uh, or how it's affecting your customers. What's happening out there? Because if you have people in the organization who have a bad attitude because they're not engaged, they're not encouraged, nobody cares about them, that's going to reflect in customer relationships. So look at those sorts of things and begin to ask yourself questions about what is it that's working in the business and what is it that's not working and how is management playing into the things that aren't working? and begin to elevate those things. And and if it's possible, I mean, I realize that a lot of times when you're dealing with people, they're intangible numbers. But if you can begin to express how people are behaving, why they're behaving that way, and quantify the things, put things into numbers wherever possible, to say, do you realize that I think you know we're suffering from a you know at least a ten or a fifteen or twenty percent decrease in productivity here? Those sorts of things are the things that you can bring to management's attention that allows you to deal with things factually without involving the emotions, without attacking people or anything like that. So that's what I'd suggest that you do. If you need anything else other than that, always feel free to give me a call uh, 203-599-1467. I'd be happy to talk with you more about it. But those are are my suggestions. Um, it's been a great having you guys on the show today. Thank you, Dana from Bristol, for calling in. Uh, thanks again to Emily Shoup. Uh, next few weeks are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have Steve Gamlin on uh, from up in New Hampshire. Steve's a great guy, funny, funny fellow. We're going to be talking about some business stuff. 
Uh, the week after that, Chris Hamilton will be joining us from New York City talking about how would Jesus grow a business. And then on October 18th, Lord willing, Al Kim from the uh, Rise and Shine show will be here in studio with us. And uh, we've got some really, really great people coming up for future shows. So please make sure you tune in and join us next week at 11 a.m. right here on WSDK for the Gary Smith Show. Until then, God bless you. Live your life on purpose. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please mark your calendars and be sure to join us next Saturday at 11 a.m. for another edition of The Gary Smith Show. And remember, there are a number of resources available to assist you at Gary's website, optex.com. Until next week, may God richly bless you.